and welcome to Big Gay Energy. I'm Bree. I'm Theora. And I'm Caitlin. Come along with us while we dive into the fun and nuances of queer media. Representation matters, and we're here to talk about it. Cheers, queers! What's on the big gay agenda today, Theora? Today, we're continuing our high school musical... Oh, God. High School Musical, the musical, the series discussion. <laughs> also known as HSMTMTS. Also known as the longest fucking title ever for anything. Good Lord. Okay. I, I saw someone that said uh, they should make the show into a stage production so then they can make High School Musical, the musical, the series, the musical, the series. No. no. <laughs> it's enough words as it is. I'm surprised it got so many seasons because people could find it with that title. But, okay, so we're continuing our discussion. Today we'll be moving on to season two. Um, disclaimer to everybody, this is just as strictly a spoiler episode. So if you haven't seen it and want a spoiler-free review of the entire show, please go back to see our previous episode. Just listen to the beginning where we just give a non-spoilerly update about this. But from here on out, it's just spoilers. But before we jump into all the gay and queer goodness... We just have a quick, uh, just little housekeeping stuff for you guys. Um, if you were listening to this or on a pot, on an audio platform or watching this on YouTube, please hit the subscribe button. If you're listening on Apple, please download the episodes. It helps us get into the algorithm and reach a wide, happy queer audience and spread queer joy, which that's always a good thing. If you'd like long, longer episodes, exclusive content, Please become a Patreon. Um, for $5 a month, you get access to a bunch of stuff we don't post on the other platforms and early access to the stuff that we do so that you can get the spoilers even sooner. If you could leave us a review on any platform that you can, that would be amazing as well. If you don't know what to write, Caitlin will give you a random word at the end of this episode that you can spell and just leave that random word to confuse people because that's also fun. Uh, if you would like merch, because we shout out merch ideas constantly on this podcast, visit our website, biggayenergypod.com, and uh, check out our merch, because we have lots of <laughs> lots of merch ideas, and they exist. So check all that out. I think that's everything, Caitlin. Yes. Uh, every time you bring up my word, then I'm like, oh, crap, I don't have a word. <laughs> we, problem. we promise we're not lying. No, we will we will have a word. All right. Are we ready for season 2? Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> okay. So, I just figured we'd just start with the characters that we're introduced with. Uh we're not going to go too much into detail with each one because sometimes there's too many. We need to stop adding people and use what we have. Correct. Anyway. So, in season 2, we are introduced to Lily the mean judgy girl. Howie, the kind traitor, Zach, the asshole teacher with history with Miss Jen, and Antoine, the annoying French student. So, yes. I mean, this is the season where, again, we're still trying to be glee a little bit, but we're moving away from it. So instead of, like, our rival glee group, instead of having vocal adrenaline, we have North High. So we have, like, the this is the rivalry season. And so those are, like, mostly a cast of characters coming from the rival school. So it's, like, they're the caricatures 
of the mean girls you'd expect while the East High Wildcat group become human beings. Like, that's really what this season is. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, you gotta have rivalry in high school, right? Of course. Yeah, so what musical are they focused on this season, Caitlin? Because last year it was High School Musical because we were trying to be High School Musical. <laughs> well, I mean, it's really a mystery because the first episode, everyone is super convinced they're doing High School Musical too. I mean, it makes sense because it's a Disney production <laughs> based off of High School Musical. And then the last minute, Miss Jen decides, nah, we're not doing that. Uh, we're going to do Beauty and the Beast. Because so- of course they are, because... Disney, again, likes to flex that this is a Disney production, and so they have the rights to all the Disney shit. So that's how they keep doing Disney musicals. <laughs> but they also don't have to pay to use anything else. So that helps the production. But it also is like, hey, are you nostalgic for Beauty and the Beast? That's also streaming on Disney+. Plus. This is just like meta-marketing is what they're doing. Well... That aside, anyway. let's just let's talk about the casting first because sure. a lot goes down in this casting. So Lily, Lily starts out at East High. Yes, and she joins the auditions, but first she fangirls over the group at lunch. So she seems like the a nice girl who just wants to be involved, but that's where the nicest stops. And like she takes a selfie with the whole group. I feel like she just, uh, whatever. That That's just, it goes quick. That's it. So the group does a group audition, which is very odd. Like, I, I don't know of anyone who, like, sings a song all together to audition. I like, think dance, for- yes, but. I think this is a TV show choice where they're like, we need to move this shit along. That's what they well, were doing. No, they had solo auditions, too, though, with singing. So, like, it just, whatever. It's dumb. But they do a group audition, and Lily definitely shines because she's talented. Uh, But her personality costs her the lead. And okay, so something that really pisses me off in this show, and I mentioned this a little bit in the past, is that Ricky keeps getting the lead, and his auditions are terrible. Like... I'm pretty sure he sings bet on it in this one uh, for his yeah, solo audition. Because he thinks he's going to be, tr- he thinks they're doing High School Musical, so he's doing a Troy Bolton well, no, song. He, he, he knows that they're not doing High School Musical, but that's the only song he knows. Because that's what he prepared. Because right, everyone no, I was expecting it to be. Correct. Exactly. He prepared it, but then he pre- over-prepared it to the point where he could barely sing it by the time he got to the audition. So yeah, his audition was trash. Also, there's this ongoing thing of him constantly being late to the audition. So he's like wildly unprofessional, first of all. But like, classic handsome guy gets the role. Uh, so Okay, so really backtrack. In the first season, he's late and Carlos says, uh, Troy wouldn't have been late. Which... Literally everyone knows that that was Troy's, like, big thing. Like, yes, he was late. They were always late to the audition. But, uh, so, Tim Federley, who created the show, uh, admitted his mistake on social media later. <laughs> also, side note, that's who wrote Never Late, Never, Never Nathan, Never. Yeah. Yeah. That will be in my fun, fun fact day. section as well. I figured. Well, there it is now. There's your fun fact. Yes, uh... Tim Federley, if you happen to be listening to this, I would like to interview you about all the things you've done because both things are, uh, well, Better Nathan Ever is like kind of queer, but we talked about it. Yes, we did in our Banned Books episodes. Yes. That's why I was like, I know that name when I saw it. 
It's he also true. reads the audiobook because I listened to the audiobook. He reads oh, it. Oh, really? That's cool. cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's cool. Okay, so Ricky keeps getting. Del- I mean, really, Ricky does have competition with EJ, but this time EJ does take himself out of the running for the lead. So, of course. How convenient. The, <laughs> the stereotypical guy who gets the lead is getting the lead again. Spoiler yes. for the casting that we go through later. Um,. So during the audition, something that I really like is they had Ashlyn stand out more, which finally, and she gets some solo lines and Miss Jen is just like nodding at her. And like, it's just so sweet that like, she's so proud of her. And I I do love how Miss Jen like just cares about her students so much. Uh, Yes. So Ashlyn, when she's singing, goes over to the whole group of girls that's standing around and they're acting with her. Like, you know, it's theater. But then if you look at the end, Lily is not participating at all, which I mean, it's an audition. And if you see everyone else acting, I feel like you should really be doing that. But she's so focused on herself because she has her solo parts coming up soon. So she's just focused on herself, which is telling of her personality. Uh, yeah, so that was, well, like, Lily is, like, overconfident she's gonna get the role because it's Beauty and the Beast, and she looks like Belle. So she's like, With I am hair. thin, yeah. and I, like, I am, I look like the cartoon character of Belle. I, she comes, like, dressed like Belle, like, in the same kind of style, yeah. like, like, clothing colors. So she's visually, like, projecting to Miss Jen, I look like, I literally, like, if you went to Disney and you saw the Disney Princess Belle, you would look like exactly like me. Like, if Disney you would hire me. Look at this character. whole group of girls uh, th- when they're lined up. Yeah, you would, you're subconsciously, you would think that's Belle. Right. And Lily knows that and is playing into that hardcore so that when she doesn't get it, she's like, what the fuck? I literally look like Belle. And it's like, we, we did the typecasting in the first season, so <laughs> let's move on. <laughs> um, also, who are you and where were you in season one if you're this huge person who's so into theater? Like, where the fuck were you? <laughs> Isn't this the same school year? Like, Yeah, it is. It is the so, same like, school this, year. So, that's why, like, the way that people come in and out is, like, weird I in this show. I don't, I should really know this, but I don't know if she was there or if she's a new girl or what. I don't think they actually explain it. So like, there's too in, many people transferring conveniently for the musical. I'm like, you have to so live. Stupid. You have to have an address in the school district. Actually, yes. I was allowed to finish. That's not how this works. <laughs> I, I lived actually like 40 minutes away from my high school by the end. But I think they're just letting me finish out the school because I could provide my own transportation. But anyway. Um, yeah, so it's, again, a forced plot. That's annoying. Moving on from that. Uh, But part of me wonders if Lily feels insecure that everyone is so close. So, like, they're all very close and, like, know how to, like, act together. And she chooses the meanness to cover it up, maybe, and make herself feel better. She, man, she's really unbearable in these auditions. I mean, possibly, but again, she's she's the character remnant, the caricature remnant from season one, where it's like, she's just very one-dimensional. It's like, this is, she's the new Gina, right? She's like, new girl that got transplanted here, is cutthroat to be number one, 
is overconfident because she has the part went through all she like she has a conversation with Gina too she's like yeah I don't I don't all this training too girl we're on the same level I can kick your ass and like get the get the lead because Gina's also like it's my turn to get the lead so like they're just playing into that hyper competitive shit with mm-hmm. the girls again and it's like Gina 2.0 is here but a blonde girl that's basically what it is and Gina tries to give her a compliment and she's like oh I just meant I haven't done local theater right exactly so this I'm like, amazing. okay here's our Here's the new caricature. Like, that's what she is. And then they just, they don't change her. They're just like, she's just going to be the villain now. We're just going to go full glee and just keep you as the villain. While the other, the wildcat group, they break out of their one dimension and become two dimensional and and three dimensional. Spoiler alert. Lily never gets better. (laughs) Lily never gets any redeeming qualities. No, it's like they set up the North High. All the North High people are just villain. Like, they're just villains. Like, they don't change. They're just, they are one-dimensional and they stay that way. Every like single Hallie one of them. is kind of different, though. Slightly. I guess, kind of. But he, he goes away so story. fast, it doesn't fucking matter. Well, true. Yeah. Um, yeah, I guess he's the only one. I guess I was excluding him from that. I was, I mean, like, the cutthroat people. He's not really a cutthroat person. He's like I mean, well, we don't even find out that he's part of it until... Like right. the end. he's the he's the sleeper plot, but he's set up as somebody else. He's in a rom- he's a romantic McGovern anyway. Like you know, so he gets more of a personality because he's in a love relationship with Courtney later, which humanizes him, I guess. But like for the most part, the teacher Lily and the French guy, and the rest of the people in the musical, except Howie in North High, they're just the one dimensional. They're the villains. You're just supposed to hate them. They don't change. That's it. God, I hate that teacher. But I mean, you're supposed to. He's one dimensional. I know. To be not redeeming. But he's played by Derek Huff, and uh, so my childhood was watching Dancing with the Stars with my grandmother, and so that was also made me happy just to see him in there. There you go. Uh, so one of the things I do like about the show is that they're very big on like the found family and the sisterhood, and so oh, yeah. Ashlyn creates this whole number for. Gina, Courtney, and her, and it's called apparently a three-way harmony or like the three-part. So it's not a duet; it's a tercet, which I learned that word. Oh, cool! Yeah, there's your word to spell at the end. That's what I was thinking. I was like, wait a minute, that could be spelled wrong. Tercet, go for it. <laughs> it's tercet. Um, but can I just say that they killed that number? It's yes, like described can. as a Chia Girls meets Spice Girls meets De- not Destiny Child. Something like that. But like all these like girl groups. And oh, they're so good. But I love in the editing, uh, you see them like there's mistakes in there and like you just see them having tons of fun. And it's, like, because there's behind-the-scenes footage of when it's, like, a close-up of Gina. Like, you just hear them cheering her on in the background. And it's just, it feels like such an empowering song for, like, the three of them as well. And if you look, Gina, uh, Sophia gets her earring caught on her costume, I believe. (laughs) So she's, like, but they kept it in. And it was just, it's just meant to be such a fun number. And it's really cute. And... And nice change to uh, Lily, but let's be real. I don't really care about Lily, and I am so glad no. that Ashlyn got the role of Belle. And not only yeah. does she deserve it, but it brings us to the next topic that is very necessary to talk about. Yes. So, 
again, not perfect, but there is body positivity in this show. Like, there's diverse body types. There's multiple plus-size characters, and by plus-size, I just mean there aren't a tiny stick. Because, like, that is what Disney is in general. Yes. And, it's like... very annoying. And also, if there was any uh, non-stick characters, they were always, like, the quirky best friend. And, like, yes, they still kind of do that, but they they do come into their own in the show. It just has to get rid of the stick people first. Um, like, just a good example. I know this, this is a little slightly off, but That's So Raven, it took forever for Raven to even become the main character. Like, they had to admit that she was the best actress, and they had to recast the whole thing and make her the main person, but they could never see an African-American girl who's overweight be a main lead character on Disney. That's insane because Raven Simone is Raven. How the fuck is it a show that's not about her when her name isn't the title? It was not that called That's So Raven at first. Oh, yeah, okay. It was a different title. Uh, most shows go through uh, title changes before we even get to them. Oh, I see. I see. I see. I thought it aired as something else. No, no, like, no. What? No. I love her. I love Raven Simone. Yeah, she was. She's great. Um, she was on the Cosby Show and she was fucking killing it as a child. Like, yeah, it was amazing. I mean, that's when I first saw her and I was like, she's getting her own show. It Good. amazes she's me hilarious. when they cast like babies and like toddlers and then they grow up to actually be good actors as well. Like, I don't know if it's just because like they grow up there, but like they're taking a chance. Like, especially if a show goes on forever, like that child might grow up to be terrible at actor. But whatever. Anyway, well, they soap or swap. They soap opera swap them out when they're young, so it doesn't matter. They just explain it. They're like, no, that's Rodney, I swear. Unless <laughs> like, unless it's good luck, Charlie. Then they use one baby only, and it's her through the whole time. But anyway, yeah, that's... In Good Luck, Charlie, they also did that with um, the plus-size African-American best friend in that show. So it's just... <sighs> small progress. Disney makes small progress at a time. Yeah. But this plotline... Was great. And, okay, the body positivity thing is not just limited to season two. And it's not, like, visually, yes. Like, we ha- once it becomes less of the Olivia Rodrigo and the boys show, it becomes more about the theater trope and their, like, dynamics with each other and growing together. Because the show is becoming its show, not its own show, not like a, you know, ripoff of something else, which is what it started as, basically. So it, the body positivity becomes plot, like actual plot lines that they explore in a really good way. It starts with Ashlyn here in season two, but later we also get it with Carlos. Mm-hmm. And it's a really good, it's more of a queer storyline at that point, because the stereotype with queer men is you have to essentially look like a model. And he's like, I don't, and I'm very aware of that. And so he kind of goes through his own, it starts in season three, but he goes through his own journey with mm-hmm. him dealing with his own body dysmorphia because of like society stuff but with Ashlyn it's more so about like the the theater and the casting and like because again in this play it's Belle and when you think of Belle from Beauty and the Beast because Disney like picks an image and they stick with that so if you go to a Disney theme park like I had a I had a roommate who was a who's a character who worked at Disney in Florida and was a character and they are so fucking particular about 
the body types of people who are going to be cast as characters to walk around the park. Like my roommate was Mickey Mouse because my roommate was a certain height. And like you have to be a certain height to be Mickey so that all the Mickeys look the same so that they're very standardized. But to be a face character, like my other roommate used to date a face character. I forget if she was Belle. She might have been actually. I don't remember. But like to be a face character, it's even more insane. Like your face has to be a very specific shape, specific dimensions. Your body type has to be very specific dimensions so that all the bells, when you see the face character, because you can't hide behind the costume. Like with Mickey, you just have to be a height, certain height, mm-hmm. certain width, because they just put the me- the suit on you. But if you're Belle, like your face has to be certain dimensions, certain eye colors, all this stuff. So like there is no diversity among the bells. Like Belle is Belle no matter where you go. So it's always a white girl who looks like this, who has these certain dimensions. And so coming into this play where they're dis, it's they're casting a Disney like play, you expect the bell to look a very certain way. And that's why we got Lily. We're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's who Disney would actually cast if they were casting Belle because they have an image in your brain about who's Belle. They would cast Lily. So I like that the show went through casting the right person for the role based on the ability to play Belle, not just physicality of Belle. And then also further explored that actors struggle with that and like how that, you know, made her think I wasn't going to be Belle. Obviously, I'm going to be the teapot because look at me. Like, yeah, that's that was they would cast. really sad. Like, she's like, obviously, I'm going to be Mrs. Potts. So, like, first of all, she's assuming that she's going to get a character. But like, she never even considers herself for the lead ever. And, like, I relate to that because, like, you don't. Like, you can't be the lead if you're plus size. And then also in theater and dance in general, like, there is a stereotypical body type. And in the show, even the dancers, they're not all one body type, which is... For sure. I can't tell you... Oh, my God. Why am I emotional? Um, How much that means because going through dance and having everybody around you be skinny... It's so difficult and it's so difficult to keep going and even be at that level where you can be in things and you're pursuing it professionally. It takes so much courage and self-confidence yeah, yeah, to be able to continue doing it because you're probably told that you're too fat, that you're not the right potty type on a daily basis. And that's on addition. That's in addition to being told no, like 50, uh, multiple times a day when you're auditioning so like it's not the even just like two of the main characters like we see them in the background and the dancers and it's more real when you have that and i love that they're doing the same things and like it's not even like a special section for them they're doing everything that the little twigs are doing because we can and that's why I, when I was growing up, I was, I'm so obsessed with being flexible because when I would do, and like my split is like this far off the ground, um, because it would impress people because they don't think you can do that as when you're overweight. And it, it's just, it sucks that this is our world. And I just, I just love that they're giving everybody a chance. Yeah. I mean, that's, and it's starting to get better in media. And granted, like, remember, like, we are watching a TV production of a fake high school casting a play. So for a TV production, they can cast literally whoever they want. 
to be in this, like, that shows up at an audition. Like, they could have casted all Twigs if they wanted to. No offense to Twigs. If you're a Twig, like, yeah. whatever. Good for you. No shaming. It's just, this is a commentary Because it on... does go both ways. Like, Correct. Carlos, like, he thinks, like, he's too small. And, like, it body... Yeah. And it's not just, like, plus-size right. people who go through Correct. these body issues. And we do see that in this show, which is so important as well. Yeah, exactly. It's more about, like, diversity casting and, like, yeah. representation, period. Not just queer representation, but in all that, all the elements. But, okay, the fact that it's a TV show, like, they can cast whatever they want. It's more realistic to cast it this way anyway, because it's supposed to be of a high school. And it's, like, not just skinny people are auditioning for, like, a high school play. There's, like, 20 people that audition. It's not like you're getting thousands of people auditioning like you would for a TV show. There's a set number of people at the school, an even smaller proportion, that want to do the musical. Mm -hmm. Like, you're going to get people of different body types based on who shows up. Like, it's just, that's real life. It's not, you're not going to get everybody that looks like Olivia Rodrigo and the guy that plays Ricky. Like, that's not who's showing up in mass for a high school in Utah musical. So this is more, it makes it more real because this is more likely what you're actually going to see in real life. And so it's important that it's on TV to encourage people who would have otherwise been discouraged. Like personally, like I would love to have gone out for like any kind of acting in high school, but I was always like, I am not who I see playing leads. Because like you said, women, it's better now, but women had like, you were the love interest and that was it. And so Mm -hmm. to be the love interest, you had to look like Lily to be the love interest because they're going to cast you based on body type. And I was like, there's no way I'm getting cast for any of these things. Also, these roles suck. But like, I had the body thing where I was like, I don't have the look for it. There's no way I would even get cast. Why even try? I'll just play sports where it doesn't matter what you look like. (laughs) That worked out well. But like, it's seeing this on TV is important because this is why representation matters and it matters to see it on a tv show if to inspire people to do it in real life basically is what i'm saying yeah i did not expect this season to like get to me like when i was writing it it wasn't getting to me but like now that we're talking about it like so sorry if my voice sounds like shaky at all because it's just bringing up a lot of i guess trauma in a way from doing theater god damn it (laughs) sorry okay real uh, i have not cried in a year on this podcast guys <laughs> it this. it's always when it brings up childhood trauma um it's just because julia lester played this so beautifully as well yes that i felt everything that she feels <sighs> okay it's okay take your time um, it's okay this was beautiful. Yeah. I just, I just hate that she never expected to get the lead, and and it didn't stop when she got the lead. And uh, yeah, so I brought this up before on like as a joke on one of our podcasts, but I was cast as the cow in Into the Woods. So. I wanted one of, like, the the lead, not, like, lead, but, like, supporting lead, I guess. And it was, like, the first time I let myself hope for it. So when I got the cow, it hurt so bad. And for months, I was going around saying that, oh, damn it, that I got the cow because I looked like a cow. And it, I cried so much, and I couldn't let other people see how much it hurt me. 
And I don't know if they were just trying to play it off and tell me that. It was because the director thought I was the only person who could be capable of playing that character because of, like, the comedic timing or, like, just, like, the physicality of having to play, like, I mean, it's like a character actor. And I've, like, played Snoopy before for this director and, like, dancing and stuff. But it's just, it hurts. And going into audition, I knew that I would always be typecast. Like, after I stopped being in the ensemble all the time, because I started later. But I would be a parent. Because you, you can't you can't be a high school student. You can't be a love interest if you're overweight. Because you look more like a parent. You look like more an adult if you're overweight. And so... So... Sorry. I get really upset with myself when I cry. Don't be upset. This is all super fucked up and I'm sorry you went through it. It's just, it's very real though. It's It's just, it's important to show how much it affects people because like at that age. Yeah. No, for sure. It's, It's traumatizing. And trying to figure out who you are when you're being told that you're not good enough. For like by adults, yeah. For like the main characters and stuff, it sucks and it it holds you back from figuring out who you were. So I wasn't allowed to have the confidence in high school because I was being put down and I thought I looked like a cow so much, is which is why I'm I was a cow in the show. And it actually ended up being one of my favorite roles because I made it my own. And I was like, I went in there saying that. I'm just gonna play this up and I ended up uh, (laughs) crying as the cow but I did like a moo and the director loved it so much he's like put two in there and like so I got to do whatever I wanted I made it my own and I loved it I got to be in one costume the whole time it was sweat it was like a sweatsuit a white sweatsuit the only thing is I had to be milked on stage and that was very awkward so it's just like theater is weird in general and it's such an awkward time so like there is a lot of trauma for like theater kids so like that's why it's it's a mental head game which is why there's more drama in there but bringing it back to the show wait bringing it back to the show caitlin if it makes you feel better nini was also cast as a cow which she did mention and i was like so was caitlin but i'm sure caitlin was better because <laughs> nini's really not that good at this you know what uh, Julia Lester played the cow when she was younger, but you know what? Aww. At least she was a little kid when she had to play the cow. Uh, but yeah, so like, I, I relate to Julia there because <laughs> she played the cow, but then she ended up being uh, Little Red Riding Hood in the revival and got nominated for a Tony for it. So go, girl. Yep. Um, ugh, I forgot that Nini said that. Uh, so during rehearsal... Miss Jen talks about how Belle is the most beautiful girl in the land. And you see, you see Ashlyn's face just fall. And this, this is why I started getting more emotional. Cause like, it's just feeling this. She's like, she's supposed to be the most beautiful. She doesn't feel like she's the most beautiful. And that's what our society makes us feel. And so we see her, you see her just look so worried and she's playing with her hands and it's exactly what I do when I'm nervous. And I I think a lot of people do that with their hands, but. 
A lot of the actors do that on this show. Like, Ricky does it later. It's just like, this is anxiety. <laughs> and I, yeah, I'm wondering if I, if it's not just like, do you do this at all when you, if you're anxious? No. Because I'm wondering if it's like a theater, because we, like, we have to theater kids, like, more emphatic, like, with gestures and things because of yes, acting. So, like, true. wondering if, like, playing with your hands is just, like, a thing. Maybe. But also, I mean, they're also, they are also acting, so they're trying to show you that they're nervous, yeah. so they're doing nervous <laughs> tics. Uh, but also, Ashlyn pulls on her sweater, and so it's just, like, all of the anxiety, like, I don't know if it's stimming, because I don't think it's considered that, but just to, like, let the anxiety out, like, I relate to, so it's just everything Ashlyn goes through is just brought way too much back. And so... She lets, but not really let it. It just, it gets to her. And she asks if she can take a quick five. And she walks out of the room. Because it's hard. It's so hard to, like, have so much expectation on you when you don't feel like that's who you are. And until doing these notes, I didn't realize that it's what Miss Jen said. I thought it was that Ricky wasn't, like, doing well. Like, I didn't even notice that it was Miss Jen's comment of Belle being the most beautiful that makes acts. Ashlyn start freaking out and so Mm -hmm. she walks out of the room and then there's this the confessional mockumentary type thing where she says this is so dumb look I know who I am I'm proud of who I am but I've seen the movie a hundred times Bella has a certain look it's iconic and that look isn't really me and sometimes that feels complicated I just hate it. This is and this is why stereotypes are harmful to people, for sure. <laughs> Apparently, Apple thought that was a good thing, and it gave me a thumbs up. That's the worst reaction. I've yeah, ever you know what? You have sucks. to just go watch our like listen watch to it and tell. watch it because. Fiora updated her computer and it just yeah, I updated to Sonoma or whatever the new ISO is and it's really it automatically turned on reactions for my camera and it's really weird but anyway moving on yes moving on Um, I am going to try and keep myself composed Uh, but obviously this hurts me a lot more and this is why we need representation like this so there's hopefully a little kid out there is like I can be a lead I can go out there and go for anything and not just the background character. Totally. I really, cause I wish, I wonder if I had stuff like this, if I would have been strong enough to continue acting. Cause at one point exactly. I was going to do musical theater and I'm like, that's not safe enough. I don't look right. I'm not good enough. Oh, yeah. Yep. But I get to do a little bit through this podcast of like being on camera exactly. and stuff. So, exactly, that was the appeal. And yeah, but I feel like, I feel you like on that. But it's because I've been finding myself more and like being more confident with myself. And it took forever. And it's luckily the representation is getting better. So it's like I said, this kind of healed my inner child. <laughs> to quote the show, trust the process. <laughs> yes, uh, they make sure you know that that is a tagline. It's literally an episode title in the fourth season. So later, uh, we're still in Ashlyn's journey with this. Sorry, it's taking forever to get through. 
she is walking with Gina, who tells her that waltzing is hard because obviously if you saw that, like what I saw in the beginning, it looks like she was upset that she couldn't get the dance with Ricky and that they weren't doing well. Mm-hmm. But that's not why she's upset. And Ashlyn responds that, and she says, I guess I just don't feel like a natural bell yet. And like, she never outright says it's because she doesn't have the right body type. But, because it's like awkward when you don't feel like you fit. Like, you don't want to talk about your weight because that's not what you're taught to do. Well, also, like, look who she's talking to. Like, Gina. Yeah. Look at Gina. Like, yes. that's not the person you have the conversation with. Later, Ashlyn has the conversation, I think, with Big Red. But, like, yeah. You don't um, have this conversation with Gina, who's, like, classically beautiful. Yeah. Who wouldn't understand um, it. She says, so after she says, I don't feel like a natural bell yet, she says, I mean, we've all seen the movie. She's, but Gina interrupts her. And she just says, a cartoon. And you're everything. And that's all Ashlyn needs to hear like not all she needs to hear but like she really needed to hear that especially from Gina like Gina's becoming her sister because Mm -hmm. like they're roomies now yes and like this is why like I hope that there's people like not even like everyone who has body issues especially from seeing characters on tv hear this because it's a cartoon. It's a drawing. This isn't real people. Yeah, you have people who look like Lily. But Lily probably has something about herself that she doesn't like because we're so obsessed with the way we look that no one can love who they are. I mean, I hear my mom talk about herself and I'm like, she's so gorgeous, but she can't see that. Like, no one can see how, like, how beautiful they are because we're as a society, we're told that we're not good enough, no matter how we look. It's just so annoying. Yeah, we're, we all kind of hate ourselves <laughs> on some level, I'm pretty sure. But it doesn't help that Ashlyn and Lily are literally pitted against each other. And this isn't, like, like from a narrative point, like, this was important to show for the body positive, like, have her like feel better about herself because she's she's she is just as good as lily if not better i mean we don't really see lily as Belle, so like we can't compare there not that we should because they're both probably amazing in their own ways because female empowerment people empowerment okay i'm getting really passionate over you down with the patriarchy I said that one time and my dad said, look who's bringing out the big words. I'm like, patriarchy's a big word? It's not a big word. <laughs> oh. If you're commenting that, you As a books, young dad. kid, we need to learn that word because that is what... The root of all the problems. Yeah. <laughs> that's where this stems from. That's where putting women against each other stems yeah, so from. Yeah, so that's anyway. why, like, there is a bit of that in this and I don't... And I... There, there's another part that I will backtrack a little bit because I said something I'm like we really shouldn't be but they portray Lily as such a mean girl that it's hard to like not it's hard to actually like her but you're not supposed to like yeah. her though she's set up to be the villain but like, you're just you're not supposed it's to really like her. hard because we need to like not put women down like we, we need more I agree I agree but I stuff. like that they're I like that they are making this plot line and they have to have a foil to somebody you compare Ashlyn to in order to visually do this so yeah 
Um, so of, of course she starts freaking out when Lily when it's revealed that Lily won't just be co-directing the show because it was bad enough that the North High changed from Little Mermaid to Beauty and the Beast, which I don't think they they wouldn't have gotten the rights because there's already another show in the area. So the rights would not have worked out because you have to apply for rights. You can't just do any show. Yeah, it's again, because again, this is a glee ripoff because you can't have East High versus North High in any kind of head to head. It's not like they're doing regionals like, you know, against vocal adrenaline where we're going to go head to head with each other. They have to compare. They have to do the same play. But like the thing is, they were already competing when they were doing Little Mermaid. So it was just them like this is just for drama purposes. Yeah, they didn't have to do life. Um, no. <laughs> first of all, annoying. they couldn't. Also, we get more into things that they can't do, but they do anyway later, because I have a lot of thoughts about that. Um, I take my law very seriously, apparently. Yes. Uh, so Lily is actually Belle in North High's production. So now poor Ashlyn is like, I already don't feel like Belle right now. Right. And the girl who I know looks like a cartoon, and, like, she says it multiple times in this season that, like, Lily, the girl who looks like a literal Disney character cartoon, yeah, I vaguely remember her. <laughs> like, yes, this girl has been in her head since she got the role, before she got the role. Yes. And I just have to say, this is why I'm, like, I want to empower Lily, but at the same time, we really can't, so we're just, just... Go with me on this. I have to argue that Ashlyn captures Belle more because there is a joyfulness in Ashlyn's eyes when she does it. And like, she's so happy to be Belle. And like, when she's singing and stuff, like she does embody Belle. In that audition, you saw Belle. Um, and then yeah, my whole line is that there's a joyfulness in her eyes that the evilness of Lily could never. Okay. Yeah, I mean. I mean, I mean like, yeah. in Lily's audition, like it looks like she's gonna kill people. Uh, in my opinion. Right. She's not right for the role. But I basically. also mentioned it's I was biased earlier, so. just So it's, it, what it is demonstrating is that, like, the looks aren't everything when it comes to acting. It's a component, perhaps, that is taken into consideration. But if you're supposed to be playing a joyful character and you're not acting that way in your audition, that's points against you, so. Yeah. Yeah. Um. But again, it's hard to not compare yourself to someone you are literally competing against. Correct. Like you're competing. That's yeah. part of this. That's why like this is this is can easily turn into toxic culture because it's it is hyper competitive. There's one spot. Only one person can get it. And when it's you add these outdoor outside competitions in it, it makes it. I mean, at least you're not competing with your fellow classmates and it's like a different school. So mm -hmm. like you don't have as much connection with them so i feel like that's slightly better but there's a lot of competition but yeah I, I guess it's kind of the same with sports though because you are competing against the other schools i mean it's not that too like you're not competing in a vacuum so if you yes there's the musical but then there's also like if you want to make a career out of this or potentially go to an art school you have to also build a resume so it's like it's more than just the pressure of this one thing, right? So yeah, it's like the individual competition of me, of like Ashlyn versus Lily to get the role. But if like Lily wants to go on to Broadway, she has to build the resume. So just being in the musical isn't enough for her to build the resume. She has to be the lead. So like, it's more than just the one competition. There's the whole thing is competitive to make this a career, like all of it. And so every little thing is stressful. So for somebody like Lily, like she has to be crazy driven and, like, maybe you have to be cutthroat because 
if I don't, like, I have to succeed to get where I need to go. If you're just doing this for fun, that's great. But, like, I'm trying to make a career out of this. Like, it just, it snowballs into toxicity is what I'm saying. Because the whole culture of it is a one big giant competition to, like, succeed, basically. Theater is rough. And there's no money in it. <laughs> yeah, for sure. It's so hard to make a living in it. But, like, there's it's so competitive. I mean, I don't, again, I'm not in the sports world. I tried out for field hockey ones and I couldn't run so I felt bad about myself and never went back (laughs) so like it's in everything for sure yeah um yeah but in that episode we see Ashlyn and Courtney both gain confidence and like I like that we see confidence build in these characters and like the importance of confidence is prominently displayed in the show yes which is so important for especially the age group that it's geared towards so like just as a quick background in the show in this episode courtney it's courtney's first show with like an actual part like yeah she went on for taylor for like three scenes in the first high school musical uh and she's so worried she's mostly wardrobe so yeah yeah like because that that's her main thing which yeah she's a lot more than that but we'll get into that uh she's so nervous about performing and like she blew out the levels like the mics in when she sang in the first season which not her fault it's the mic it's the levels that they were doing it's not her like they need to adjust for her it was it's never her fault so just saying you're perfect just the way you are courtney but her anxiety like that's a that's a a character trait they end up exploring throughout the rest of the show with her also extremely important and which is really good exactly so that gets and that's that why I said later. in the last episode we did that it's not just about singing and dancing with those like those type of things like there's some really important things they cover that I'm glad and I'm glad that I got to see. Yeah, and uh, and they cover it well, like the body positivity topic. I think they cover really well. Courtney's anxiety, stage performance, whatever you want to call it, also evolves into something really really good. So yeah, I, I agree. And I just want to give uh, some more time to Carlos's journey with this because it's more spread out than Ashlyn's, which is like predominantly the whole season. But Carlos, you see multiple comments throughout the every season. So in season three, it probably starts earlier, but like I was, as I was going along, I noticed it more. Uh, Carlos makes a comment that there isn't a dressing room for Olaf like there. So he has to spend the whole day in the costume. And this is where you see Miss Jen, like, be, like, very cognizant cognizant of Mm -hmm. her students and, like, understand them. Like, she is a good teacher uh, because she sees right through that comment. And later she asks him if he needs a quick change booth for Olaf. And his, Carlos's response is, I think I just need Ryan Gosling's torso. So, like, he's, he just doesn't like the way he looks and like uh, we talked about this already no one does i mean if you do then good for you yeah uh and then miss jen is always so supportive and she responds with someday you may learn to love your own because she always she never wants to be like oh you can like work out more like that she's like no you are perfect the way you are and later in that season there is a we're just putting this in now because it wouldn't make sense to talk about this in two different seasons that's fine so later there's a camp tradition where the guys take off their shirts for some reason Mm -hmm. 
and dump a cooler of ice water on themselves. Um, it actually might just be cold water, but whatever. Uh, this makes Carlos extremely uncomfortable because, yeah. Also, why? It sounds like... It's a, it's, it's a man thing. They're like, look yeah. how tough we are. But basically, he's like, I don't want to take my shirt off because I don't feel comfortable with that. And, like, he's having this conversation with EJ when we get to the camp because EJ's like, it's tradition, it's tradition. And then eventually he's like... It's, it, Carlos, like, explains why, and then he's like, that's fine. If it makes you uncomfortable, don't do it. So it ends well, but yeah. But, like, I think it's important to note that he says, I'm not the type of guy to show off my body to others. And then he says, or myself. Yeah. Because, like, he doesn't that. even like to look at himself, and that's the struggle for him. And mm-hmm. later he decides that he wants to do it. Like, he gets a little more confidence, and during it, Ricky helps him out, and he says, you got this. No one is judging you, bro. And that is what he needs to actually go through it. And when Seb cheats on him, we will talk about that later. Yeah, um, I mentioned this part earlier, too. Yeah. This is, like, where the queer, seri- harmful queer yeah. stereotype comes He backtracks, in. like, all the problems. Like, because, like, this guy, he's thinking that he's getting rejected because... He doesn't, and he says, there. Ex, he tells Miss Jen that there's expectations that a gay man should have a six-pack and have perfect white teeth and look like a model. And yeah. unfortunately, yeah. This is, like, this is why stereotypes are harmful, exactly. And yeah, so I like that they address the harmful gay man stereotype and using this body dysmorphia. Because, like, you say that he backtracks, but, like... Not really, but like it's bo- always going... You're right. Something like body dysmorphia is not something like you can just cure. Like it's yeah, and I mentioned that with um, Courtney's anxiety. It wasn't the right words to use because like just because you're able to do something one time does not mean like all your issues are fine. Like yeah, it's a roller coaster. In Courtney's plotline specifically, I think they do actually address that, and they're like, anxiety doesn't just go away. Like you learn to live with it. Like some character says to her. So it's the same with this. Like, body dysmorphia is not something that just kind of goes away. And it's really hard because although you're dealing with your way, like, like Carlos deals with it and handles it and learns to handle it, but you still live in the world that has that stereotype placed on you. So it's like you have to learn resilience, basically, for dealing with it because, like, the world isn't changing, like, even though you are. So, yeah, basically. But that good plot line. I'm glad they included those things in here. Yeah, but then also we see Miss Jen again reassure him that um, he doesn't need to look a certain way and that he yeah. is who he is and it's beautiful. Yes. Okay, I think we've had a lot of deep conversation. <laughs> Can you tell that one hit a nerve a little bit? I mean, it's a, it's the honestly, it's the best plot line in the show, in my opinion. Yes, that and the mental health thing. Like, those are, like, the two big things that I'm so glad that are in there. I I do wish, like, mental health was a little more than just, like, the one character. But I will take what we can get at this point. Yep. So. All right. Yeah. Moving on um, to Gina. So she, we mentioned that she moves around a lot. And... I wanted to talk about this because I also related to this um, growing up. So she always reinvented herself wherever she went. So she doesn't actually know who she is because she always kept trying to be someone else whenever she moved. And so she doesn't have the friends. Like they never stuck because she was always going. Like she's not even there a full year. Because she mentioned like one year that she's like all the places I lived in seventh grade. 
So she was in multiple schools. Um, So now that she is staying, thanks to Ashlyn inviting her to live with her, now no matter how that happens, Theora, um, Gina uh, now needs to figure out where she fits. And because she's never really had to worry about that before. And so she's just Mm -hmm. trying to make her own and be her own person. So Carlos is one of the first people who like truly understand Gina because like when he asks her to be his co-choreographer, she gets so excited because she thinks that he's asking her to be the sole choreographer. So she's like, okay, yes, this is what I can do. This is my thing. But then when he uh, tells her like co-choreographer, her face immediately falls and like, and she gives a lame excuse like, oh, I probably won't have enough time. And he just responds, cool. What's the real reason? And I just love that he could see her enough to know that like it's not okay to just like brush over like you need to get into mm-hmm. like what's going on and make her open up because she's like a person who needs to be like not forced but like uh you have to get the feelings out of her you have to yeah yeah draw them out yeah draw out like how she's actually feeling so she doesn't like internalize everything so yeah that's that um and then one of the episodes that I want to talk about is uh, yes. when Seb gives Carlos the gay quinceañero of his jeans. And this <laughs> the quince is one of the cutest episodes. I love this episode. Yeah, it's so sweet. Like, oh, poor Seb. Okay, I don't have this written down, but poor Seb being terrible at lying, which also doesn't make sense later. But uh, he's like, I just figured, I've never learned how to lie. So I figured if I don't talk, I can't tell him the truth. <laughs> So he just kind of like nods the whole time. And it's just so cute and adorable. Oh no, like literally I my note on this is Seb is the best boy. He is a ray of sunshine in human form. I love all the scenes of him lying, uh, trying to lie, but failing super hard. My favorite scene is with him and the, it's not this episode, but it's the yes and episode where all hell is breaking loose after North High drops that Beauty and the Beast video and the drama teacher is like giving them a pep talk and like North High is all bells and whistles, which is basically bullshit. All we need is, and there's like a dramatic pause, the camera pans and Sub says, friendship? <laughs> like, I love him. He has some great lines They do like him that. dirty. They do him dirty with the cheating thing because it's so out of character and so stupid and it was just for drama, but like he is the best boy and I will stand by that. Forever. He's so sweet. He is the little puppy sweet. dog in this one. Yeah, this episode is really cute. Uh, but the thing, when I was watching this, because you have to watch more closely when you do the podcast. Uh, so, and because we were like analyzing characters' rooms before, I noticed Carlos's locker. And it oh, yeah, is yeah, yeah. the gayest thing ever. <laughs> I never noticed it before. So there is rainbow chevron wallpaper in there. Pride Salt Lake stickers, a pride flag, because of course. And then I believe there's like a small Ruth Bader Ginsburg doll. Oh, an RBG in there. Nice. Yeah. Love it. A, a mirror that says love you on it because it's just like he's, he doesn't love his outward self, but the inside, he is confident with who he is. He sure. is not ashamed to be gay. Good for you, Carlos. And I love that. And that's important for people to see as well. And then I also think there's like a jewel chandelier in there. Which I wouldn't is put it past Amazing. Him. So I love his locker. So at the quince, 
Seb talks about how Carlos is his hero. And there's a video that Gina plays of Carlos from seventh grade. And he's just unapologetically himself. He's like, these are the things I want yes. for my birthday. And he does this dance that he came up with. And like the start of the choreographer in him. And Gina like does the dance for him as a gift. And But Seb talks about how when he was 13, um, that he watched the video at least a hundred times and there's like a thousand yeah. views on the video. So like 10% of that was just him hiding in his room and in his words, in every sense of that word, um, watching Carlos being unapologetically himself. And for Seb, who we find out later is still not out to his dad, um, that's everything to him. And it, it was so yeah. cute and makes my heart melt. And it shows that you really do need to just be yourself because even if there are some people who make fun of you, there will always be people out there who will see it and they will get more courage to be themselves. Like I hope um, when I dance and do things, like I'm in, I, there's some younger kid being like, oh, okay, I can do that. Just because I'm overweight doesn't mean I can't do it. Something like that. I don't know. Yeah. Hopefully. Uh, well, representation hope. representation matters. And like, that's what I hope people get from this podcast as well. So. Yeah. Put, so. Put things forward. This episode has Seblosis, which is their ship name. Because I don't think we mentioned that before. Uh, their first kiss. And it would have been the first ever Disney original live action series with the same sex kiss. But that title was given to Big Shots, which aired one week before this episode. Oh, cool. And I also love that show. But they canceled it and took it off of Disney Plus, and you can no longer watch it. Classic. Yes. Side note. It, uh, okay, so this was this is a self promotion plug. Okay. So side note, it was mentioned that Carlos was the captain of the color guard in the first season. So I talked the guard that I'm in, that I was forced to be in by my mother, um, into putting the song Gina sings in this episode, "A Dancer's Heart," into our show. So if you happen to like guard shows know what TIA is, and are near South Jersey, you can find me at the TIA Chapter 1 shows and championships. Come say hi. Yeah. <laughs> and if anyone actually does, I'm going to be really impressed. <laughs> I don't know if this is going to, like, air in time. We perform to, um, until May, June. Okay, then you're good. <laughs> yeah. There's time. Yeah, it starts in February. We're just in rehearsals right now. Okay. <laughs> All right, so sorry for, like, all the, like, the self-stories, but, like, this is why I love the show so much, so. So, quick thing I want to point out that is relatable to me. I mentioned earlier that my school competed in a theater competition. We also had a rival, kind of. I went to West, and East had, and probably still does, an amazing theater program. I, their budget had to have been, like, at least double ours. Um... There is also a South, but at least at the time, the joke was that no one cares about South. Poor South. They were just too new to have a rival. Anyway, mm -hmm. I'm really glad East didn't compete directly uh, with us because... Hold on. Uh, because they did have a bigger budget and a nicer theater, and like they, they probably definitely would have won over us. Um, seeing their show is like when the Wildcats saw North, like their, their set. Like, it's so beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> we're like, we get like these like folding tables anyway we got one good set one time and we were amazed <laughs> that's so sad 
anyway, it is a good thing we were never directly pitted against each other uh, formally. Like in our, it was called the Cappies was our um, right competition. Because I swear it would have been like our football team's rivalry, which is bad. Um, I mean like the end of bottoms bad. Like bad. police involved. Like arrest. Bad. Yeah. We, oh, there's a reason my high school was in the news like four times in high school in like senior Thanks. year. One year. One year. We were always had news trucks outside. I'm like, please go away. I just want to go crazy. to school. Okay. Two more quick things. When they sing Second Chance in the last episode, they are wearing the same clothes. So it's EJ, Nini, Gina, and Ricky as their original edition clothes. And I also mm -hmm. love that song. And Natalie has a great line in the penultimate episode where she says, members of the company, this is your 10 minute call to act two. Please everyone remain in the same role you started in. And I just, I just love that one because of the last one was a shit show. Yes. All right. So now uh, a few dislikes or like one big one that like really, really, really bugs me. I, cl I can see that. <laughs> And they finally address it in season two when Lily tells them that they will be disqualified from the competition if they perform an original song in Beauty and the Beast. And that's because you're not allowed to add shit to these shows. And yes. they keep adding songs and characters. And you're not allowed to do that. And in season three, Ashlyn says that they weren't allowed to add characters to that show. She checked. Because you're not allowed to. Anyway, so... MTI is their licensing agent, which we learn. I didn't even realize that they said it in season three until I went back again and watched it. Um, MTI is Music Musical Theater International, and I unfortunately have way too much experience with them. But when you are granted a performance license by MTI, by law, this is what it says on their website, the show mm -hmm. license must be performed as is. You have no right to make any changes at all unless you have obtained prior written permission. Yeah, right, Miss Jen, you definitely didn't do that. From MTI to do so. Otherwise, any changes violate the author's rights under federal and international copyright law. Yeah. Okay, that's not the only thing that's wrong with this. So, but like, also, like, you're doing a Disney production. There's no way in fucking hell Disney is going to let you fuck with a Disney production. Of, no. all the also, of all the copyrights. We were always told that we weren't allowed to change things. And I'm still bitter about... Okay, so I was the village idiot, because, of course, you know, my type. Uh, wow. In Young Frankenstein, which was also a very fun role. Like, like it's... I mean, it's a comedy, though. I had though. It's, fun with fun. my roles. It just sucks that, like, I could never be the roles I actually wanted. Yeah, um i get that but the line so the my the person others speaking was supposed to say we have to give this town something that it needs or that it wants something that it's always needed and my line was supposed to be a gay bar and the director made me say starbucks instead and i was pissed off i didn't even know i was uh gay at that time Okay, but I wanted to That's say that bad. line so because it was so much better than a Starbucks. It is way better. And yeah. I, I asked our artistic director like why she wouldn't let me say it because I didn't think it was the director's idea because he is gay himself, and she's like, "Oh, it wasn't my idea," and I'm like, "Oh shit," and she's like, "He probably just didn't want to make it seem like because of like the stereotype that gay men recruit." Um, hmm. okay. so like. I mean 
But sure. And I'm like, can I just say it anyway? She wouldn't let me because she's like, the director gets the final say and all that. I'm like, fine. Should have just said it. Anyway, just a little bitter. <clears throat> just a little. Yeah, <laughs> tiny bit. All right. Also, in the spring break episode, Gina takes out her script and it has highlighted writing all over it. This also isn't allowed because you are only renting the scripts for like the full length productions and you have to return them after you're done. If it's a junior show, then you get to keep the script, but full length gets sent back. So you have to use pencil and erase it before returning. And I currently have way too many junior scripts that I don't know what to do with and it seems wrong to throw them out. So they're just sitting on a shelf. Okay, so that's the second legal thing. Third illegal thing, the poster in Miss Jen's office, and this has bugged me since the very first time. I was like, there's no way that that's allowed. So the poster in Miss Jen's office from High School Musical, it says, Miss Jen presents, in huge letters, East High's High School Musical, directed by Miss Jen, choreographed by Carlos. So really, there's set things that have to be on the poster. And there's specific percentages of like the title that it has to be like so big. So it really should say the East High production of Disney's High School Musical. And then they have to add book by so-and-so, songs by all those names, music adapted, arranged, and produced by their name based on a Disney Channel original movie written by, you have to put so many words on this freaking poster. And then you have to put MTI's thing of like Disney High School Musical presented by to the arrangement with MTI and all that stuff. So, Miss Jen, I know you love yourself, but, like, you can't. You just can't. I feel like she made that up just to put in her office, and it's not actually advertised anywhere. It's, like, fan art. Uh, I, I wouldn't... But see, the, the way that they're going, I think that's how they presented the show. It's also true, and it's also, like, you can have this in the show because it is a actual Disney television show, so... Yes, like, that's it. They but the thing the is, I'm surprised they are okay with that because then it's just showing people that stuff and like so that's what they're seeing it's just it's meant to be a joke though because it shows you like miss jen's ego because her name is so big because if you know all this about what the poster's supposed to look like you know that it's wrong and this is miss jen's ego over the whole thing and her ego is like her main trait from like season one to season two and it starts getting less and less as she becomes more of a teacher and less of an egomaniac but like and that's what it's really down Also, normal people don't know this much about MTI. <laughs> Correct. There's that, too. Uh, I hope you learned something. Yes. Alright, and I think... Do you have anything else about season two that you want to talk about? Yes, I love that there's less Olivia Rodrigo, because Nini is annoying as fuck. Okay, yes, I didn't even talk about... Okay, listen, they wrote this character... No... I don't care about Olivia Rodrigo. I, listen, I'm millennial. Olivia Rodrigo, to me, ripped off a Paramore song, and that makes me upset. Granted, Haley was involved in that, but it makes me upset. We don't know Olivia personally. We are not talking, like, we're not attacking her. Yeah, no, no, no. I I want you to think that. No, no, no. Not attacking her. Just, it's easier to use the actor's name, because I I hate the name Nini. I think it's so stupid. You can say Nina. That's her actual name. I will not say either of them. So, I'm... They wrote her character essentially to be too good and too perfect, and to me it reads as fake. And the same thing goes for, like, Ricky for, like, most of the show. So, to me, she just came off as really annoying because they tried to make her a Disney princess right out the gate, and it's annoying. It's because it feels fake. 
So I'm glad there's less of Nini because then the other characters get to shine and grow into their own and like it just feels better. Personally. I'm glad she's doing music and like she's living her own life right now because it, it yes. helped us out in the show. <laughs> but yes. Also, I love that when she's at the school, the only like the only part that like, I pay attention to was like the coloring difference to show like how bad that school like how like grim and like dull that school was like the coloring mm-hmm. was so different and like yeah that that's cool yeah because it's just supposed to be her i really didn't pay attention to any of her plot lines but it's it's, it's okay like, i mean it's it's her feelings in the school not necessarily what the school is like so it's just again it's the school you're seeing in denver is a reflection of like through her lens and she thinks it's grim but I think it's great because you were really annoying and I'm glad you're not here because it made the episodes better about the actual high school. And I'm glad they didn't take a part <sighs> away from anyone. I mean, yeah, they added something for her, but like she wasn't the lead. It just, it still sucks because I want to know, I kind of wish that she was auditioning with them and Ashlyn still gets the bell role because yeah. I feel like that, I mean, yeah, she got it over Lily, but, like, Nini was expected to be, though. And it's just because she's not at the school is why she's not. Like, that's, I feel like that's probably what's going through Ashlyn's head as well. Sure. Absolutely. Like, every, that's why, like, Gina's like, ooh, I can be the lead now. Like, literally, that's what, that's on everybody's mind. And unfortunately, that is what happens in school. So, like, yeah, once you're the sure. lead. Well, because it's like that, and it's like the chemistry with the guy. And, like, they have chemistry on screen. So, like... You know, because obviously Troy is always the lead, or not Troy, knockoff Troy is always the lead. So you, you always, and I'm just like going with it. So I, guys, if those characters, no, it's Ricky. It's knockoff Troy because like it their names are not worth, but it's most likely Troy. I mean, their names are not <laughs> worth remembering for me. <laughs> but I will talk about okay. The other thing, breaking effect, my grievances again with like knockoff Troy and Olivia Rodrigo's character. So when she does come back, then there's... Because she's gone for, like, a month, and that's forever. So Ricky is basically like, oh, my God, I just... I want her to come back, and it's this whole thing. So she finally comes back because she decides, like, I hate the school. I want to be back at my other school or whatever. So she comes back, and then they get together by the end of season one, so now there's drama because they're apart. Then when they get back... I'm like, obviously this show is based on relationship drama, so they're going to break them apart because we have to. But the reason they do it is so forced and contrived and it's so annoying. It's basically like Ricky's parents go through the divorce and then he puts all of his insecurities about the divorce onto Nini and he's that's what ends up breaking them up, really. So he like puts all these like unrealistic expectations on her. He gets her into the play because she shows up, but she's not really there. So it's like, oh, we're not really spending time together. And it's like, you have weekends. Like, you can do this outside of the play. Why are we forcing this? But then he's like, okay, I have to get her into the play. So then he's the one that comes up with like, if she, we can write a song together and then she can put an original song in the play, which like you said is illegal, but this is all his manipulation. So then they're like, great, let's do that. And then, like, they try to write the song together, but not really. Nini ends up doing it herself. And then he's like, oh, man, we were supposed to write that together. Now we're still not hanging out. What the fuck? So I'm like, dude, all of this shit is temporary. You can hang out on the weekends. Like, why? Like, why? It, it's just, it's so fucking annoying. Like, that, that that's what breaks them up is, like, they're doing stuff together, but they're not spending enough time together together. 
Because that's the only time we can hang out, and that's what breaks them up. It's like... I... Okay, I don't really pay attention as much when Ricky's on the screen. So I just saw it more as, like, Nini was just growing too far apart from him. Like, she was becoming her own person with music. Like, she was finding herself that she liked music more. Like, even when she was at Yak, um, the actress conservatory, she wanted to start a songwriting club. So, like, she's always more geared towards music. And so... Right. She was finding herself. I get that. But, like, the tension between them from Ricky is we're not hanging out together enough and doing things together enough. But it's, again, it's the lesbian time in the show where it's, like, this is all the time we have and this is forever. And it's, like, how long's rehearsal? Like, an hour? Two hours? Like, <laughs> you can do stuff outside of that. That's not the end of the world. Like... And, like, they both, and the fact that they grew apart because of songwriting is also stupid because he is also a songwriter. Like, they still have things in common. It's just framed in such a way. To me, it feels fake. Like, they're just trying to force them apart for drama reasons so that we can bring Gina into the mix as a love triangle. So that, like, all that kind of stuff. It's just, it's like they're trying to create drama and it just reads as fake to me. That's fair. For two people who, like, grew up together and are on the same page... It doesn't, it's weird the way it happens out of nowhere. And it's like, yeah, we're different people now. It's been a week. It's just so stupid to me. I'm like, what is happening? Like, what is time in this television show? I think it's ridiculous. <sighs> okay. Other thing that I love, I liked about the show, about season two, I liked the spring break episode. <gasps> yeah. I liked it because to me, it was my favorite episode so far because it was less focused on the musical stuff and all the drama with the musical. And it was just the characters. I liked that because it let the characters breathe and it let the show breathe and become its own thing versus like, we're still in, you know, Glee, we're got a rival group shit going on. It just let it be. And I thought it was really good. I thought the music was really good in this episode. I like that. I like the song that Ashlyn and Nini write together. Yeah, I thought uh, there's two or there's two original songs in this episode. I thought both were really, really great. Um, and then what was also interesting, what was also funny is like North High placed this like a posted like a slander video and like shame, like shaming them for taking a break during spring break. Again, lesbians. It's a week. It's not the end of the fucking world. <laughs> and so the East High's response is to put a song and dance together in an hour virtually, which was nuts. But the choreography for it is really cool because they're not all physically together. So the way they had to like edit it was honestly creative for a TV adaptation of something. And I thought it was really clever the way they crafted that, put it together, and then ended up editing it. I thought that translated really well for TV. So that was awesome. Whoever came up with that idea, like kudos to you. That was awesome. They, they're, you can see they're rehearsing of that song um, on YouTube. But also, I'm more impressed that they did. So they not only wrote a song in one day, learned it, did the choreography in one day, but Big Red also edited that shit so quick with all those transitions and stuff. I don't buy it. But anyway. <laughs> yeah, I don't buy it either. They say they did it in an hour, which is also insane, which doesn't make any sense. It takes me an hour to edit this podcast. Like, how the fuck were they doing that? So... Oh my gosh, no. So, like, it's it's this thing of, like, oh, we know the song and dance without even rehearsing it. But, you know, we'll give it to them because it was fun to watch. All right, there's one more thing I have to talk about. I think it's in that episode. I can't remember. Uh, Ricky plays this. He's at home and he's all sulky. Or not at home. He's with his mom. Yes, he's, he's at his, his mom's. Mom. 
I think it's this episode. It uh, is. I can't remember. It is. In my notes. My notes don't tell me that. So that's why. <laughs> but thank you. Okay. So he's playing the song on the piano in his room, I guess, by himself. Yeah. I was going to take a screenshot of this, but I didn't have time. Basically, I want to talk about the setup because I think it's so dramatic and funny. He's by himself singing the song at a piano. And there's like electric candles everywhere. <laughs> like his mom did not set this up. He must have set this up as this dramatic as setting to sing this really sad song i think it's about how him and nini are growing apart but i can't remember because i don't really care but like the fact that he set up the ambiance to be dramatic as fuck so he could sing his own song by himself iconic behavior i love when characters do that shit like they did it in motherland where like oh my god one of the characters was like obsessed with like put candles everywhere just to have a dramatic moment and like lexa and the hundred just has candles everywhere. yeah like that's the just you say just candles, to be dramatic like, as fuck and you're like there is no need for any of this but you obviously needed this and you were the one that set this up i find that whole shit like that really hilarious if you say so like the ricky candles, scene is funny i think of lexa from the hundred because that was a running joke in that show like the candle budget um, but I just love when characters set their own mood. Like, nobody else was there. He did that. And I find that really funny so he could sing the song dramatically by himself. He's like, you know what? Candles are relaxing. I need that. I love it. Um, in this so episode, great. we meet Jack, um, who is played by Asher Angel. And he spends the day in the airport with Gina. And this is just a quick note. They were the, the two of them were co-stars in Andy Mack together. Oh. So, cool. yeah, they used to work together, which is why he asks, um, do I know you? Like, you look familiar. Because, yes, you guys worked together for three seasons, three or four seasons before. Is so that another Disney show? Yes, that is. Uh, Andy oh, Mack, we talked about a bit in the coming out episode, actually, because um, the guy who we see, Jack, um, he's the guy that the... Um, kid who comes out has a crush on got it and uh they come out to so gina who's played by sophia plays buffy in that show it's also a great show you can't see the whole thing because there was an issue with an actor in there but you can watch it illegally kind of um and then also select episodes on disney and i i love that show too because it it it's definitely different for Disney. I mean, the sister is actually her mom and she had a teen pregnancy. So like, it's just out of nowhere for Disney. And that's why I love that show. And it's also good uh, Asian American or I don't want to get it wrong. So but like representation, like diverse cast and like main characters. Nice. Yeah. Anything else uh, for season two, Caitlin? I don't know. I mean, okay, so if anyone's listening and, like, loves a show, like, how I'm talking about it and want to talk about it with me, go, okay, go to our Discord. Join our, Discord. our Discord. No matter join what, Discord. just join the Discord, because I Discord. want to scream with people, and it's just, I, there's just so much in there, and the bottom line is I love Ashlyn, okay? That's, that's what I get out of season two. <laughs> We gotta plug the Discord in the promo thing too. Yeah. yeah, so link to the Discord if you go if you're on our socials. Um, I think if you're watching on YouTube, even if you're listening, there's a link to the Discord directly. If you're listening or watching, if you're go to our socials, our link tree link is everywhere. You can click it. That's the very first thing. Is the we Discord have channels too. for everything, everything, all the all the queer screaming. Pets. And, like, we have such a good community, and we're, like, very yes. active with you guys. Like, we'll talk to you. So if you want to talk to us, that's a great place to do it. 
Yeah, and like if you talk with us, like uh, we could use your give you a shout out on the podcast when we talk about that episode, which is also fun. Yes, we will always give you credit if we bring up your point. And if you join yeah. our Patreon, you get exclusive channels too. So yeah, true for yeah exclusive screaming. <laughs> yes. So like if like the other chats are like too busy and like you get more intimate uh, contact with us on those private channels. Exactly. So yeah, come scream with us. Uh, so if that's the end of season two, we will continue talking about season three and four. Like the show gets honestly keeps getting better from here. Like we, we talked so much more about things we loved in this episode. Because it wasn't trying to be Glee and it t- did its own plot lines that were really good. So yeah, so we will keep talking about this. We'll go on to season three next and then season four. But before we sign off, uh, we will go to the lesbian Jesus hydration scale. So this is a scale from 1 to 10. Um, We hydrate because, like water, queer media is essential for life. So, Caitlin, how much would you hydrate for Lesbian Jesus for season two of High School Musical, the musical of the series? It's really hard because since Ashley gets the lead, like, that's, she's the main in my character, in my character, in my eyes. So, like, I don't think I can give it any higher. I think maybe 6.5. Okay, that's pretty good. That's Just, good. I, I would give it a, I, I'm going to give it a five because I think this less Nini, it's much better. There was very important storylines that were done here. The original music was really good. I think it's, be, it gets better as it becomes its own thing. And like, there's no new queer rep really. Like it's mm-hmm. the same queer characters, yeah. but like they got, they had more prominent like storylines where they were their own people. So I enjoyed that. Yeah. And it, the show starts to get its own voice and so do the characters. So, like, much better than season one. And you saw... <laughs> everyone now knows how much it hit me. <laughs> yeah, it's really good. So, and keep watching with us. Get Go on to season three, season four. Do you have anything else to say before we sign off? Yes. And just a reminder that your bonus secret word, whatever it's called, uh, that you want to put in the comments without looking up how to spell or the, a review anywhere that you are able to. Uh, is the word tercet. Tercet. Thank you, Ashlyn, for teaching us that word. Yes. And hopefully we'll learn more vocabulary in the next season. So until next time, hydrate for lesbian Jesus. And gay it up all over the place. Bye. Bye.